Good morning, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday. Can you guys believe it? Today is Wednesday. We are already halfway through the month of November. It's the 14th. We're almost to Thanksgiving. Woo, woo. Moment of silence. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I know a lot of you are struggling right now, though, with the things that are happening in the country. We've got wildfires in both Northern and Southern California. There's been a shooting in Thousand Oaks. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, not the least of which as an election that just happened this last week. So we're going to try to cover a lot of ground here at the podcast today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I have a couple of things on my heart today. Uh, over at MomStrong International, we are talking for the whole month of November. We're doing a study called Dancing on the Minefields, Finding Blessing on the Battlefield. And it seems that the Lord always knows what he's doing. Uh, a long time ago, we planned these studies out you know, months in advance. And of course, there was no way for any of us to know that there would be a shooting in Thousand Oaks, California, and that uh, Paradise, California would literally burn to the ground. Uh, there are fires happening all across uh, Southern California right now. My friend Sam Sorbo and I were talking about this uh, the other day. She and her family have been evacuated from their home. I interviewed Kurt Cameron for the podcast. He'll be coming on this Friday. He and his family spent the last eight days living in a hotel waiting to see what was going to happen with their home as well. But there's a lot of suffering happening in the world today. And the question becomes, for for believers, where is God in the midst of the suffering? Uh, I've said many times, and I, I believe this with all of my heart, that the church today, particularly in Western culture, we live in a state of what I would call reactive Christianity, which means that we we offer up our prayers and our lives to the Lord when we're suffering and when we're struggling. And this has certainly been the case now as we've seen what's happened with the shooting. Uh, such an unthinkable crime happened against innocent people with a lone gunman uh, shooting unarmed people at a restaurant. And the question becomes, where is the Lord? And I was listening to and watching the headlines kind of go through, uh, like they always do, kind of making the the circular reasoning happening, and then people get out and they they mock Christians for asking for prayer, and and uh, thousands of Christians, in fact, gathered uh, at state capitals across California and actually around the world uh, in the wake of the tragedy at Thousand Oaks, California, and this happens uh, time and time again, and. Uh, I know that a lot of you are frustrated by what you're seeing, but I want to just encourage you to remember that in all of this, first of all, we live in a broken, fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And Chris Como got on CNN News and mocked uh, people for praying. And he said that his reasoning for that was because he has an apathy towards people who pray because they're not interested in changing gun policy. And first of all, not to get into the politics of guns here, but can I just say right now, you can't legislate the human heart. You can't legislate the human heart. You can't, taking guns away is not going to change the intent of a killer. Someone who is bent on wreaking havoc and destruction is going to be bent on it no matter what you do. It just, it grieves me. It's like we're looking at the fruit and nobody wants to talk about the root which is we have taken God out of our nation. We took him out of 
our schools. We've taken him out of our government. We've taken him out of everywhere that we can possibly take him out of. And then we replace what God says is good with what God says is evil. And when we suffer evil in the culture, we decide to pass laws as if somehow that's going to fix it. That's not going to fix it. And I'm sorry, Chris Cuomo, but people of faith who come to the Lord on their faces and say, Father, forgive us, are doing exactly what they should be doing. God is the only one who can help this nation, and the help that we need will not come until we are on our faces before the Lord in repentance. We have a lot to answer for in this nation. I was interested to see many of the Christians that spoke out on the news, not the least of which a couple of friends of mine, uh, directing people back to where they came from because they now have something that most of us don't have, which is perspective. Many of you heard that my nephew, Bobby, was struck in, and, and injured very badly in a car accident last June, in June of 2017, and our family took to the internet and to social media in particular, and we, yes, prayed. We begged the Lord of Heaven's armies to spare the life of my nephew. But we knew that whether or not God intervened, which he did, that God was good and that his heart toward us is good. And about a month and a half ago, Jay's uncle's son was in a devastating motorcycle accident. This is a, uh, our family from Paradise, California, in a devastating motorcycle accident that nearly took their young son's life. And having walked this road recently, I'm here to tell you right now, it'll shake you to your core unless you know the Lord, unless you know God's heart. And my husband called his uncle from New Hampshire, which is where we were because I was speaking for an event there this last weekend in tears and just said, we love you and we're praying for you because while they were down in Bakersfield with their son who's trying to learn how to walk again, everything they own burned to the ground in Paradise, California. And we had a choice to make. We can either reject God and believe that he's not watching and he's not listening, or we can believe that what Romans says is true, that God works all things together for good. That even what the enemy wants to use for evil, if we will allow God, if we will open our hands and open our hearts and say, Father, have your will in your way, God will redeem it. And as I was watching my husband talking to his uncle, I mean his uncle, but they're almost the same age, so it's kind of this funny relationship. And I was listening to them on the phone, and Jay's uncle so rightly pointed out, as Jay was saying, I'm so sorry, we love you guys, we're praying for you, what can we do? He said, listen, we're okay. We were down in the hospital with our son, who's recovering from this terrible motorcycle accident, and you know what it does? It gives you perspective. And there was joy in his voice. And joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is knowing that no matter what happens in your life, you are right with the living God. And no, no matter what 
comes your way, no matter what comes my way, I believe that God is always good. And this is what we declared the night of Bobby's accident. Lord, whether you take Bobby home or whether he remains here and you heal him, we know that you're good. And we know that someday we're going to go home and be with you. This is the hope of every Christian. It goes beyond what we see in front of us to what we know to be true about the future. That's the hope of every believer. And so let them mock us for our prayers. Let them say that God doesn't exist and that he's not listening. And we can answer them with a quiet confidence that comes from knowing that one day the Lord's going to return and he's going to set this world right. That's what his word says. So as we go through the MomStrong International study, if you haven't joined me, like I said, I, it's, it's remarkable to me that this was the study that the Lord laid on my heart many, many months ago to do for the month of November. And I think it's very apropos. I met a, a woman in New Hampshire. I hope you guys don't mind. I'm going to ramble just a little bit. I met a woman in New Hampshire. I had been in uh, Boston in May, and I met a young woman there. Her name is Jessica. And she came up to me and asked me if I'd pray for her. She was uh, a few months pregnant and had just discovered that her baby had an encephaly. So if you're not familiar with that, it is a disorder where uh, the brain doesn't develop as it should. And oftentimes there is very little brain tissue or the head doesn't develop and the baby uh, cannot survive outside of its mother. And this was certainly the case with Jessica and her precious uh, little one. And I prayed over her as she wept in my arms first pregnancy. And I put my arms around her and I said, boy, I'll tell you what. You're in a position right now to really understand and receive the grace of God. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you and he will not waste this suffering. And I saw Jessica again at the at the uh, retreat that I just spoke at near Boston in Nashua, New Hampshire. And she showed me pictures of her beautiful little girl's hands. She gave birth to that baby at 32 weeks. And the Lord is just beginning to write the story of Jessica's life. And it's starting out with suffering. Do you know what, men and women? In my nearly... 50 years of walking on this earth, one thing I'm learning as I go along is that God does his best work in our hearts in the deep. It's in the deep where God meets us. It's in the deep where we understand and experience his grace. It's in the deep where we realize our dependence on him and where we learn to praise him. And that's what Jessica is learning to do. She's learning to praise him. I know a lot of you are struggling through unimaginable things right now. And I just, I want to encourage you to continue to pray, to continue to believe that God is always at work, to turn your worry into worship. And as we walk the battlefield of suffering together, let's say in unison, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. We've been studying a little bit in the book of Job, and last week we reviewed some of the purposes of the book of Job, and this week at MomStrong International, we're looking at deeper heart issues that the book brings up and some practical principles that we can apply in our own pursuit 
of joy in the midst of suffering. Remember, we started out uh, this particular podcast by saying that joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Joy is the unmistakable sign of the presence of God in our lives. Joy is knowing that no matter what happens around us, we are living in right relationship with God. And the enemy is going to lie to you. The enemy is going to tell you that uh, God doesn't love you, that God is responsible for the suffering that's around you. And according to the Bible, we know it's not God that's responsible. The enemy of your soul is responsible. Satan is the one who's responsible for the suffering that we see happening all around us in the world today. The name Satan, by the way, means accuser. It means slanderer. And in the book of Job, we see that he's making accusations. So what's the accusation that Satan levels against Job? He's saying that Job loves God merely for the benefits. And by human standards, you could see why that would be a plausible accusation. Job was rich. He had a great family, had influence in his community, had a stellar reputation. But Satan says, hey, God, I'll tell you what, take those things away. Stop blessing him and he'll turn on you in a hot second. And often we are blindsided by suffering because we think we deserve better. I've caught myself saying things like, hey, I'm faithful to God in ministry. I'm a good mother. I'm a good wife. I haven't done anything that would grieve the heart of God. Why is this happening to me? And I want you to think about this with me, men and women, because you may not be living through a tragedy or through suffering right now. But according to God's word, we are going to experience trouble in this life. Uh, it's a crowd shrinker. doesn't sell books. But it's true. The Bible, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take card. He said, I have overcome the world. And I want you to think with me for just a minute, because like me, I bet there have been times in your life when you felt like serving God for the benefits or that you felt like you were entitled to better treatment. A friend of mine who had undergone, you know, chemotherapy and a double mastectomy really knew the bitter taste of suffering in her own life, said that she, she reached a point in the midst of it when she was saying, she stopped saying, Lord, why me? And she started saying, why not me? Why not me? What is it that God is doing outside of what we can see with our own eyes. If we believe that God is sovereign, if we believe that his will is best for us, then we want his will. And ultimately, when we look at the story of Job as we're studying at Momstrong International, which by the way, if you're not a member over there yet, I just want to encourage you to do that. We've got some really, really exciting, awesome things coming up this next year. Uh, and particularly, we're going to start kind of doing a shift at Momstrong International and refocus as we're studying with you guys, uh, taking you through the word, because we want to equip you to do exactly what God's word says that you should be able to do, which is to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And we want to be able to give an answer in good times and an answer in bad times. And I'll, I'll tell you what the answers, and I know this is a bummer, but the answers that you give when you're suffering are going to be answers that have the greatest impact on the people around you. If you haven't downloaded the study yet, you can do it by going to momstronginternational.com, create a free account for yourself uh, in the scripture writing challenge, and then uh, sign up for the Bible studies. It's really an incredible opportunity for you to go deeper in the word of God. One of the good purposes that God brings about through suffering 
is the revelation of idols in our hearts. Augustine said that in order to be truly happy, we need to reorder our lives. When our identity is tied to something finite or something that changes, it's a recipe for fear and anxiety because suffering serves as a refining fire, bringing impurities to the surface and revealing an idol that needs to be dethroned underneath all those impurities. Think with me for just a second. What would it look like to be the house upon the rock from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? To be so unshakable that no matter how much rain falls, your house still stands. You see, the only way to live, to truly live, is to be built on a right foundation. And God uses suffering to tear away at false foundations to reveal the only solid place to find satisfaction and peace, and that's in Christ. That's how come when my nephew was hit by a car, our family could stand in unison in an emergency room and sing Amazing Grace. And I think sometimes we wonder when we watch other people around us suffering, particularly men and women who, who know the Lord Jesus, and we wonder how are they able to stand up under so much struggle. And here is the answer, men and women. It's because when the struggle comes, the grace accompanies it. The grace accompanies it. And I, I want to encourage you today because I know a lot of you are, you, we, we worry about facing suffering. We don't know how to explain to our children uh, one of God's greatest attributes which is his mercy. He's so merciful, but we don't want the mercy because we just don't want the suffering. And I want to encourage you today, God will meet you right where you are. At the end of the day, suffering brought Job closer to God and the enemy of his soul failed in ripping him away. Not only did Job's suffering bring him closer to God, but think about the countless sufferers after him who have been deeply comforted and strengthened by his incredible story. I know some of you are wrestling some of these things down and it's all right. God gives you room to grieve and even to doubt. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith, but it often serves as the refining fire of faith. Because without the experience of wrestling with our fears and our questions, our faith is superficial at best. So think deeply about the hard questions, men and women, but do it humbly. Do it with the Lord and with other believers. Because the only way that we're able to find joy in the midst of suffering is by going to the cross. Think about this. Even more than Job, Jesus was the true innocent sufferer. Isaiah called him a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. His friends were the miserable comforters who abandoned or denied him in his most crucial hour. And Jesus was attacked by Satan. But Satan was only allowed enough freedom to end up doing the exact opposite of what he intended. You see, instead, God's good and sovereign purpose was accomplished. Some people see the cross as the ultimate failure. But the truth is, the cross is where the victory was won. At the cross, we saw how God used the ultimate act of evil, which is murder, the murder of God's own son for ultimate good, our salvation and God's glory. What wisdom and grace. So whether you're experiencing joy right now or hardship, whether you're in a time of, of ease or a season of frustration and difficulty, 
Don't just feel your emotions. Pray them. Regularly pray through the Psalms. Praying is one of the best ways to process things with the Lord. And often I think, I know this is true of me, I I turn to my spouse first or to a friend because I want to talk about what's going on and the hardships I'm facing. But the source of joy is waiting with the listening ear. That source of joy is the Lord Jesus himself. And as you'll see in the end of Job, as we finish up our study uh, through, we're going to turn our attention next week to Peter. But as you see toward the end of Job, this doesn't mean that an irreverent or an accusatory attitude is blameless. God is gracious even through our mixed emotions. He loves us. And God's heart toward you is always, ever, only good, even in the midst of suffering. I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast in a word of prayer. I met a really sweet woman at the conference I was speaking at last weekend in New Hampshire, and she'd said she'd been listening to the podcast for a while, and she said she really appreciated it when I prayed. And so I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity. So whatever you're doing, uh, whether you're uh, in a shower right now or washing dishes, uh, if you have the time and the space, close your eyes with me and let's offer a prayer to the Lord. There is power in prayer. Do you believe it? I do. Let's come before the Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts right now. I thank you that you are at work even in suffering. I thank you, Father, that we can be a light for you in a dark world. I thank you that we can give praise to you in the midst of pain. Help us, Lord, to turn our worry into worship. Help us to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, Lord, to point people back to the only true Thing on this earth, and that is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in our parenting, that we would turn the hearts of our children towards you, that we would take advantage of every moment that we have to talk to them about the goodness and faithfulness of God. Lord, we love you. I thank you for the many, many people who are listening to this podcast right now. Father, I pray that you draw them closer to yourself impress it upon their hearts to open up their Bibles, to get to know you better, to walk in right relationship with you, and to experience the peace that truly does pass understanding. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord, for what you have done in setting us free from sin and for what you will do as we walk with you in the months and years to come. We love you and we offer our lives to you. May the words of our hearts and the meditations of our mouths be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you guys for listening today. I went a couple minutes over. I hope you don't mind, but guess what? I'm going to go a couple minutes over again this Friday because my friend Kirk Cameron is going to be on the show with me. We're going to be talking a little bit about what it means to raise children in an era of social media and device-driven friendships. So if this is you and you're wondering how in the world to navigate the choppy waters of this particular aspect of parenting, come on back on Friday. I know you'll be encouraged. In the meantime, I hope you guys will go over and check out my MomStrong International. We would love it if you would join as a member at MomStrong International. It's not only a great way to support this ministry, it's a fantastic way to grow closer to the Lord. Every study contains a component called KidStrong, Becoming KidStrong, which is going to help mothers or grandmothers interact with God's Word and your children. And starting in December, we're going to have another, a new component called Growing Deeper. So we'll take the current study that we're doing and we're going to take you even deeper and watch as God impresses his word on your heart. I'm telling you right now, you guys, it's going to change 
your life. There is life and power in the words and in uh, in the words of Jesus and in his word. And I hope you'll join us, momstronginternational.com. Have a great Wednesday, everybody, and I'll see you back here on Friday.